Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Yes, we've got one person doing really well. Um, rest of you laughed, that's good. So you're also doing pretty good. It's good to have you here, whether you're at home, online, checking in, uh, or here in the room, thank you. Uh, it's, it's good to have all of you here. I uh, hope that summer's been good, and I hope the daunting feeling of, am I ready for getting back into normal routines? My kids, oh my gosh, what's happening? I hope you're ready for that, and I hope it's gonna be a great next season as we get into it. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to speak about what I wanna touch on today, uh, because this, this idea has been massive in my own life. Um, in the past and still currently, and I know it's gonna be massive as I move forward as well. It's been massive in my family's life, my kids even, my wife, um, and, and I know a bunch of people that this idea has literally not just helped them navigate faith, but helped them discover the kind of faith that has changed their life and change the people around them as well. Uh, faith is a big, big, big deal if in Christianity if you, if you don't know. Sometimes Christianity comes across as a bunch of rules that you need to keep, but that's, that's not at all what Christianity is. Faith is one of the foundational ideas in Christianity, and so uh, to use a few different words other than faith, trusting God having confidence in who he is, what he's done, what he wants to do. Um, Christianity, the first five letters, C-H-R-I-S-T, first six letters of Christianity is the name Christ. And trusting Christ in who he is, what he's done, what he wants to do, how he leads. Man, faith is such a big, big, big Deal. It's one of the foundational ideas, and as a result, God always seems, if you, if you, if you pay attention, if you read in Scripture, God is always seeming to, to kind of call us to trust Him more, call us to have confidence in Him, creating moments sometimes going, hey, 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 would you trust me more with your life? Because He knows how big a deal faith is in our lives. It's such a big deal that John, one of Jesus' closest followers who wrote one of the accounts of Jesus, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he wrote like the account, the eyewitness account of Jesus. When he summarized all that he had written, he summarized it like this, and you see how faith is such a big deal. In John chapter 20, verse 30, it says this, Jesus, John's speaking, is summarizing the whole book that he's just written. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. We saw a whole bunch that Jesus did, he says. And, and some of them are not recorded in this book because otherwise I'd keep writing. But verse 31 says this, but these ones that I did put down in this book are written that you may believe that you may believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Messiah, the one who came to reconcile us with God, that he is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote his whole book so that we, us, he says you, the reader, would believe, would trust God, would have confidence in God. So confidence in God, trust, faith is obviously a massive deal when it comes to living our Christianity. It would seem that God is always calling us to go, hey, 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 would you trust me? Would you trust me more with your life? Um, and because of that, as a church, we wanna do everything we can to help people grow in their faith. Anyone, no matter where you're at, if you're brand new to Christianity and you're like, I don't even have a Bible yet, or if you're checking it out and you're not too sure what it all means, or if you've been a Christian and been in church forever, our hope is that we can help you discover who he is and develop and deepen a faith, not just a mental ascent, not just a theological understanding, 
understanding, but a faith that can change lives, your life and the life of those around us. Um, and so I believe, you know, for us as a church, we want to do that. And, and I believe God is always, always trying to call us to trust him more. Now, with that in mind, this idea of faith and, and growing our faith and that he's always calling us, um, I want to tell you about a conversation I had just the other day with someone in our church. Uh, and it was a fantastic thing, inspiring conversation. I was having lunch with Brian Grillone, and he said something that, that I was just so amazed by. He was telling me his story and how he grew up in faith and as a Christian. Uh, he grew up in a Christian home. In fact, his, his dad was a pastor. Uh, he was in church all the time as a result, and he eventually went to a Bible college and got a minor in religion. And uh, so he, he kind of knew all the scriptures. He knows all the scriptures. And then he'd done this Christian church thing for a long time, but when I asked him this question, when did your faith really come alive? I mean, he grew up in all of it, but when did your faith really come alive? The answer he gave was so cool and so amazing, and I want to share the answer, and it's in my words. I'm, you know, hopefully quoting him correctly, but the idea is what he said. He said this to me. He said, my faith came alive when I started to serve others. When I engaged at church and was part of doing something bigger than myself, doing something that God was doing in the hearts of others, and I played a part in what God was doing in other people, that's when my faith came alive. And what's interesting, he clarified what he was talking about because he, he said, I wasn't preaching at people or, or telling people about God. I was simply doing the part that I could do. I was parking cars. <laughs> I was setting things up before the service so that we could create an environment where others could come, but I was doing that, and when I did that, it completely changed my faith. And he'd been doing Christianity for a long time, but that, when he stepped out and did something for others and partnered with God in the lives of other people, just through doing parking cars and setting things up, it changed his faith. So I've been thinking a whole bunch about what he said over the last little while, especially because of how he talked about how it impacted him and how passionate he was and still is because he still serves. And he serves in Upstreet, our elementary age environment, and he, he does the technology stuff there, the, the production stuff to make sure that the kids have a great time. That's what he does, and he's still doing that. And he he said to me, you need to encourage people to do it. <laughs> he said, it will blow up their faith. You need to encourage people to serve others, to do something, to step out and trust God as you do something. And so today, what I wanna do, kind of take his words, I wanna encourage you <laughs> to figure out how you can serve others and engage in what God may be doing in the lives of other people around you because I believe not only will their lives be different, but your life, your faith will grow and be different compared to just kind of going on about Christianity and doing church. This whole idea and that conversation reminded me of a, a sermon I heard years and years ago that looked at a specific portion of scripture where Jesus kind of took his disciples through two different big massive events, but it seems like the goal that he did that for was to help them take a step, trust God with something bigger than they could do and blow up their faith. So I want to take some time and just kind of look at this. And, and, and I, the reason I think this was so important is because Jesus knew that he was going to hand this whole church thing over to them, these 12 guys. And they were, you know, 
they were, they were just guys. They were just fishermen. They were just people who didn't really know much about the stuff. And they met Jesus and, 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 and they were like, okay, we're gonna take over the world with Christianity. We're gonna move this thing forward, really. We're gonna change the world. We don't think we can. And so Jesus knew that for them to be able to do that, because he knew they lacked what it took to change the world. He knew that when he leaves, it's gonna be in their hands and they needed a deep confidence in God, the one who could change lives, in God, the one who could split the calendar in two by the birth of Jesus. They knew, Jesus knew that these guys needed to have a confidence in God because otherwise this wouldn't work. And so he takes them through these two like big events where their faith grows as they begin to see, gosh, I don't have what it takes, but gosh, you do. So I wanna jump into Matthew chapter 14 and look quickly at at what happened in the life of Jesus and these disciples as they kind of navigated this thing. It's a fascinating, fascinating story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 says this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And what he had heard had happened was that John the Baptist, his cousin, had been killed by King Herod, the local king. And uh, obviously, he wanted to mourn and wanted to grieve, and so he went to a solitary place, but that didn't really work because people heard about it. The next line says, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw from the boat kind of going to the solitary place, when he landed and saw this large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So that's kind of the setup of what's happening Now, this is where we get to this interesting moment in the story. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So the disciples saw this need coming up in these people's lives, and he's like, gosh, they're getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. You know, what's that sound? This is, what, we need to do something. There's a need, we need, and we can't help them. We don't have what these people need. So Jesus, send them away, and Jesus uses this moment to engage his disciples in something bigger than they could ever do. Look what he says to them. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. I want you (laughs) to give them something to eat. So Jesus saw this massive need. He knew they were all hungry, and he knew that there was no food enough to feed, as we'll find out later, over 5,000 people. But he said to his disciples, I want you, I want you to give them something to eat. Now, at this point, attention obviously rose in these guys going, well, Jesus is asking me to do something, and I can't do it. (laughs) What do I do with this? And I don't know if you've ever felt yourself in that sort of tension, where you feel like God is kind of nudging you to do something. You see a need. You see some people who, who have a need for something, and you're going, wow, that's important. I wish I could help. Or you see a ministry that has a need and you're like, man, that's important. I hope, God, would you do something? I hope they get the help they need. And you feel like God is kind of drawing you to do something. You start to feel burdened by this thing. You see this need, you see this opportunity, kind of like Brian saw the need for what he was going to do at the church. And maybe your reaction is, nah, I see the need, it's there, but I can't do anything about it. I don't have what it takes to do it. I don't know if I can do this. You see the need, but you're like, I don't know if I can do that. That's kind of what the disciples did. Verse 17, they said, we have here only five loaves and two fish. In other words, we don't have what it takes. 
We can't do this. We don't have the ability. We don't, we're not equipped. We're not prepared. We don't have the time. We don't have the resources. We don't have what we need to fulfill and to meet this need. And then Jesus says something so big that if we can grab a hold of this, it could change the way we trust him. He said this. He said, verse 18, bring them, those five loaves of bread and those two fish, bring them to me. I know you don't have what you need, but would you bring what you do have to me? And this is so big because it shows the foundation of anything that he's gonna do is not based on us and what we can do, but based on him. Bring them to me, he said. And I, I think what he was saying to these guys is, I, I know you don't have what it takes. I know that. But if you can just bring me what you do have, I know you don't have everything. There's 5,000 people, more than 5,000 people. Two fish, five loaves, really, that's never gonna do it. But would you bring that, what you do have, to me? And I think he says this to all of us at some point in our faith journey. When we feel that nudge to do something, to help someone, to make a big change, to stop doing something, to start doing something, and we feel, gosh, I don't have what it takes. When we feel like he's asking us to do something and we feel like we can't, I think what he will say and look at us is go, I know it's not enough, but would you take what you do have and would you bring it to me? I don't know if you've ever felt this. Felt like he wants you to do something and you felt like this lack and you couldn't do what was needed that he wanted you to do. Maybe you felt like, okay, he wants me to start helping people and leading people, maybe with kids, maybe with students, maybe doing something in a small group, maybe doing something with people that are not even in this church or whatever, but he asks you to do something and you thought, well, I don't know the Bible properly. I wonder if Jesus would look at you like he looked at them and said, bring me the two fish. And you say, I don't know the Bible properly. I wonder if he'd look at you and say, well, bring me what you do know about the Bible. If you say, well, I don't have enough experience, I wonder if he would say, well, bring me the little bit of experience you do have. I mean, you're alive, you've got some experience. <laughs> I wonder if we say, but I don't have enough time, he would say, well, bring me the little bit of time you do have. What if they ask hard questions? Well, would you bring me the answers that you do have? And by the way, nobody has all the answers. What if you say, I'm afraid it won't go well, and I've said this so many times. And you know what I felt like he said to me? Would you bring me the fear that you do have? Whatever it is that you do have, if he's asking you to do something, hey, I want you to, if you don't send them away, you feed them. And you're like, oh, I can't do that. I don't have, it just, I know, I know you don't have everything. Would you bring me what you do have? And for these guys, it was two fish and five loaves of bread, and they did. They brought it to him. And verse 19 tells us, and he directed the people, and like thousands, he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples. So now the disciples are standing there going, we just gave that to you. You just broke it. You prayed and you just broke it. You gave us back exactly what we gave you, but it's just broken now. And I'm standing here. What do you want me to do with this? Like, am I supposed to eat it? Did they leave? Don't look back. Did they leave? Are they still? <laughs> Maybe it's just for me. <laughs> but I think what happened is they knew what he was asking them. 
And they had brought the little that they had and gave it to the one who was bigger than life. (laughs) And they gave it to him. He broke it and gave it back to them. And then, here's what's amazing. And if you think about the story, this is crazy. I think they had enough trust in him and they were afraid, and they didn't know it would work, and they were, cons- you know, all of that, but they had enough trust in him to go, okay, well, I brought it to him. He did something. He prayed, and he gave it back to me broken. Now, I'm gonna do only what I can do because I don't know how to feed 5,000 people. I don't know how to do things that I can't do. I think he does, though. So what I'm gonna do in trusting him, I, I know how to turn around, and I know how to hand a piece of bread to a guy and to a girl and to a kid and to a wife, and to a husband. I know how to do that. And so, it goes on, it says, and the disciples gave them those broken pieces of bread and those broken pieces of fish to the people. They did what they could do. Only that. They couldn't feed 5,000 people. They did what they could do, trusting that Jesus was going to do what only he can do. Do. And here's the thing that I think we can learn from this. When, when you have, when we have that internal nudge to do something, and God seems to be pulling us going, hey, 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 I want you to trust me with something crazy. <laughs> I know you don't have everything. I know you're not the best at doing that in the whole world, but you have some time. You have something. I want you to bring that to me. And I think what God, when he is nudging us to sign up, to serve, to start something, maybe to stop something, he's saying, I know it feels crazy, but he's asking you to step out of that comfort zone of this is how I do things. And he's going, no, 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 no. I want you to trust me. I want you to do something. And we struggle because we don't think we have what it takes. I think He's asking us, would you just simply do what you can do? Your responsibility, my responsibility, when we're trusting God and when he's asked us to do something is to trust him and then just simply do what what you know to do. They could turn around and they could hand bread out. You just do what you know how to do and let him do the stuff, the part that only he can do. Do because the tension that you feel, the fear that you feel, the fear that I feel sometimes, the tension I feel, the fear that we feel may be something specific. It may be God asking you to trust Him and to stretch that faith muscle, to stretch that confidence in God muscle. And maybe He's using this moment where He's going, You clearly don't have what it takes to change a life, change a heart, and reconcile people to God. You don't have that but I do and I wanna do something through you so that you can not only impact somebody else but that your faith will grow and will, in Brian's words, come alive. That your faith will come alive when that happens. Because I'm telling you, if we just go about our Christian life doing what we want to do all the time, when will our faith be challenged? When will we be able to go, hey, I'm touching something that I can't impact really but he can, and somehow he's doing what he does. This has happened so many times in my life. Man, it's almost emotional thinking about it as I was preparing for this, thinking about the the many times where it felt like God was asking me to take a step, to step out, to do something different, to impact and try and lead and try and serve and try and help this kid and try and help that person, try and serve, sign up for this thing. There's so many times, and I promise you, so many times I felt like I don't have the money, the time, the experience, the knowledge, I don't have it. But somehow, man, when I stepped out, it changed my faith, it changed what was happening, and I got to see what God was doing in the lives 
of people. <laughs> and that was amazing to see that. Even though I didn't feel equipped, I just brought what I did have. And it changed my life. It changed my life. For these guys, their responsibility in that moment was simply saying, okay, I can only do what I can do. I can turn around. I've got enough food for me. And I can turn around and start handing it out. I'm telling you, when we do that, something happens in our faith. Something happens because it takes it out of the I'm just doing Christianity thing. Something happens in our faith. It goes on. It says this. As they were, the disciples handed it out, verse 20 says, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. What? The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. <laughs> God took the little bit that they had and multiplied it and impacted thousands of people through the little bit that they brought and said, okay, I can't, I don't have, but I trust you. And what do you think happened to their faith? This must have been like, oh my gosh, did you see that? Did you see that? A miracle just went through these fingers. Oh my word, did you see that? He can use me? What do you think happened to their faith? But the story doesn't end there because I think Jesus was still teaching them this lesson. And the reason I know that is because the next word after that happened is the word immediately. Verse 22 says immediately. So I think this was more than just feeding 5,000 people. I think Jesus was really trying to drill in on this thing that if I ask you to do something that you can't do, would you trust me and we can do this thing? Immediately, the story goes on and it changes direction. Immediately, it says this, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So this miracle's just happened. They just brought the stuff going, we can't do anything. He's like, just bring it to me. Trust me, I am the one who changes lives. Not you, but if you give me what you have and you'll be a part of that and your faith will blow up. Immediately after that, he dismisses the crowd. He sends them off in a boat. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. Finally, he got his um, time to, to grieve and to mourn and to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So they've just seen this miracle. They've just trusted God with a little bit they have. And now they were going to go do something that they thought they could because a bunch of them were fishermen. We can handle waves. We can handle this, this lake. We can do this. We know how to sail a boat. But then life happened. And the brokenness of this world happens. And even guys who thought they could do all this stuff, they couldn't handle this because a storm came up and winds and waves and they were stuck. Story goes on, shortly before dawn. So they were stuck in that situation for a long time. I mean, trying to get out of this waves and rowing and wind. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. <laughs> when his disciples saw him walking on the lake, they did exactly what I think I would do. They freaked out. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in Fear, But Jesus immediately said something so big. He said, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And in that moment, Jesus does something so important. He identifies himself. And the reason that's so important is he is the foundation. Not them, 
They're not, not the strength of their faith, because I think they would be tempted to go, did you see what I just did with my hands? I fed 5,000 people. Because <laughs> my faith was strong enough. I'm like, you have some, you have some, and you have some. Because my faith was so strong. No, 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 no. We cannot mix this up. The, the Faith isn't about the strength of my faith. Faith is about the strength of the one that I have my faith in. Let me say that again. Faith is not about the strength of my faith. Faith is about the strength of the one that I have my faith in. And Jesus said, it is I. He identified himself as the foundation of faith, the foundation of what God wants to do. So Jesus comes and he lets them know it's him, the one that they can trust in the middle of going, oh, I thought I had this one, but I don't. And he comes and he shows up, he identifies himself in this picture. And then what happens next is so fun because I think Peter realized what Jesus is trying to teach him. And he's trying to teach him to trust. And I think Peter goes, gosh, we just had that thing. We didn't have enough food. There's only five loaves and two fish. And we couldn't do it. We didn't have the ability. But he said he wanted us to feed them. He asked us, feed them. We couldn't. And then he said, bring me what you do have. Bring me what you can do. And I brought it to him. And we brought it to him. And he prayed. And he broke it. And he gave it to us. And then a miracle happened. Because he asked me to do something. Oh, my gosh. Is it true that if he asks me to do something and he is the foundation, he is the reason that if I bring what I have that couldn't answer the question, that couldn't meet the need, but if he asks me to do something and I bring what I have, then I can do anything he asks me to do? Is that what's going on? And so he goes, hmm, let me test this theory. <laughs> Verse 28, he said, Lord, if it's you, if you're the one that's there, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. If this is you, would you invite me to do something that I know I can't do? Would you invite me to do something? Because Peter knew that if it was just Peter's idea that I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna make this work, if it was just his idea and he jumps out of the water and jumps out of the boat and tries to walk on the water and Jesus never asked him to do, he knew that that's not faith. That's something else, that's, that's using God for my own benefit because it's based on me, not on Christ. But Peter understood that if Jesus invited him, if Jesus invited him, whenever God asks you to do something, even if I'm not equipped or able, even if it's out of my comfort zone, even if it's something that may not even make sense, even if when I do it, I might embarrass myself, even if, it's bigger than my capability. If God asks me to do something, if I simply trust him, and then I do what I know to do, he will do what he can do. So he says, Jesus, if this is you, would you invite me out of the boat? And then Jesus says this, come, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus, and this is crazy. Imagine if that happened. What, what would that do to your faith? For Peter, that's like crazy. They'd never seen anyone walk on water. That's why they were freaked out by the ghost. This is not something that used to happen in the Middle East. No, no, this doesn't happen. And Peter's going, okay, if this is you, I'll do it. And then he did what he did with the fish and the bread. He said, I can't feed 5,000 people, but I can turn around and I can hand something out. In the same way, I can't walk on water, but if you invite me, if you call me to do something bigger than I could ever do, I can't do it. But I know that if you invite me, I know I can step out of the boat. 
I know how to do that. I've done that a bunch of times. When we parked the boat on the shore, I could step out the boat. I know how to walk. So if Jesus invites me, if he asks me, then I think I'll do what I can do and leave him to do what he can do. Let me ask you, what if we started praying a Peter-type prayer? Lord, please invite me out of my comfort zone. (laughs) What if we asked that and said, God, if you're calling me, drawing me, nudging me to do something, I trust you enough that I'm just gonna do the part that I know how to do. And you do what you can do. I'm telling you, I think our faith (laughs) would blow up. I've seen it in my life. The story goes on. Peter gets out, he walks on the water toward Jesus, verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was reminded of the things that he couldn't do. He was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And I love that this happened because you know how many times I've sunk? (laughs) You know how many times I've seen the things I can't do and been afraid and held back? I'm so grateful that Peter, the dude that was gonna lead the church later, struggled as well. But do you see where his faith still lay? He still said, Lord, would you save me? His faith was still, his trust was still in him. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then Jesus gives us a clue as to why he did these two moments in front of the disciples. He said, you of little faith. I think this whole experience, this this feeding the 5,000 and immediately going to this was to say, guys, I want your faith in me, your trust in me, your confidence in me to grow. You of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And I don't think Jesus said that in a condescending way. I think Jesus was so proud of Peter because he did what he could do and he trusted Christ to do the rest. He was so proud of what Peter had done. Continues. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Their faith changed in that moment. Because they trusted God to do what only he could do and they did what only they can do and their faith, look at that statement of faith, truly you are the son of God. And when they stepped out, they got a glimpse of what only he can do in their own hearts and only he can do in their lives. Jesus was teaching them, trust me, trust me more with your life. Have confidence in me, just take the step. I know you can't, but I can. Would you trust me and step out? And their faith blew up. And then I love how Matthew ends the story in verse 34. He says this, when they had crossed over and landed in Gennesaret, a place known as Gennesaret, and when the men of that place, and I love these two words, recognized Jesus. They recognized who he was. They sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. The reason I love that it ends like that is because these guys were walking with Jesus. And at first it was just like, we like this guy. He's amazing. But then as they started to see who he really was, the son of God, the Messiah, the one who would reconcile people to God, when they saw who he really was, their faith started to grow and they took steps out. And as they were doing that, they recognized who he was and it changed their lives. And as they kept going with him, other people started recognizing who he was and their lives were changed and they were healed. 
And the reason I say that is because I think that's similar to us. As our faith comes alive, I think people will start recognizing Jesus in us. We can't feed 5,000, but he can. We can't change hearts. We can't heal people spiritually. We can't connect people with God. We can't do that, but he can. And as we take steps for what we can do and trust him to do what only he can do, I think people will start recognizing Jesus in us. Later, Matthew, as he ends his account of Jesus' life, he kind of shows where this all led. In Matthew 28, verses 18, it says this, and Jesus, he's about to leave. And he says this, he's died, he rose again, and he's about to leave. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You, therefore, go. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. You go. All authority is being given to me. And you trusted me. I want you to go and give what I've given you to others. And they went. And they, their faith was alive. They went and they told others about Jesus. And those others recognized Jesus in them. And their lives were changed. And their faith grew. And then those people went on further. And they introduced people to Jesus. And they recognized Jesus. And their faith grew. And then again, they went to them. And they went to them. And so on and so forth. And eventually, that faith landed in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And there are people who, who have recognized Jesus. And they've gotten to the place where they said, you know what? I can't change people's lives. I can't make people connect with God, but I can do what I can do. And I feel this nudge. I feel this urge. I feel this pull to do what I can do. I can't do all this other stuff, but I can do what I can do. And I can trust God to do the rest. And you know what? Brian Grillone was one of those people. And he parked cars. And he set things up. And there are a bunch of you sitting in here that were there in the early days of Rock Point and you did your part, the part that you could do. And God did something and people got to know Jesus. They recognized Jesus and their lives were changed. And so I wanna say if you've recognized Jesus, if he's called you to trust him and he's nudging you to be a part of something, what's holding you back? Brian's life, his faith came alive, he said, when he started to serve and he's still serving. He's still every Sunday doing the sound and the production for the kids. And he's got, he's got a bunch of other stuff that he could be doing. He's the CEO of a company. And yet he's going, I wanna be part of something bigger than me and I can't change people's lives, but he does his part. And you know how many kids' lives are different because of what he does week in and week out. Because he does, I'm gonna trust you. You've, you've nudged me, you've called me to do something and I'm gonna trust you. <laughs> and the kids' lives are different. And Brian's faith is alive as he does that and people are recognizing Jesus for that. And so Brian told me to encourage you <laughs> to take a step and serve and get involved and do something out of your comfort zone. Do something where you say yes to partner with what God is calling you to do. You feed them. <laughs> you go and make disciples. <laughs> I can't. I don't know how. Would you bring me what you do know? I don't have what it takes. Would you bring me what you do have? 
And when we take that step and step out of the boat, and I know how to walk, I don't know how to walk on water, I know how to turn around and give people food, but I don't know how to feed 5,000 people. I know how to give just a little bit that I have. I don't know how to save people's lives. But you know, and I'm gonna trust you, and, and, and what's gonna happen is your faith will come alive and people's lives will be different. Here's the deal. Our mission as a church is to be a safe community where anyone can discover, develop, and deepen a relationship with Jesus. That's what we wanna do. Everything we do is about that because we feel like if people can recognize, discover who Jesus is, it'll change their lives and their faith will come alive. We can't make people love Jesus more. We can't make people connect with Jesus. We can't do that. But what we can do, and this is what we try to do to create the right environments and provide the right relationships, that's what we try to do. We can do that, create the environments, and those environments and those relationships are made up of people like us, people like you who volunteer their time, who give their time, give what they do have to create these environments for kids, elementary age, preschool, for students, for adults. And in creating that, they give what they can give. This is what I have. It's not enough. I know that. But you can do something in the lives of people. And somehow he's chosen to let miracles flow through our hands. Why? I don't know, but it's awesome. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm grateful. And my faith and people who've engaged in that, their faith has come alive. And so I'm not too sure how to apply this in every one of our lives. So I'm gonna wanna apply it in a general way and I wanna apply it in a specific way. Generally, I wanna ask you this, where is God nudging you? He is always going to be wanting you to trust him more, trust me more, trust me more. And a way that he could stretch your faith is to say, I know you don't have what it takes to do that, but would you bring me what you do have and I'm going to work through you to do something bigger than you could ever have imagined a life being changed. So where is God nudging you? Where is he calling you to do something outside of your comfort zone? He wants your faith in him to grow. And he's given you some things, maybe two fish and five loaves, maybe just two fish. <laughs> you don't even have the five loaves. But he's saying, would you bring it to me? And when you bring it to me, I will do what I can do with what you bring. Would you be, consider praying the prayer that Peter prayed? Lord, if this is you, would you call me to come out? Would you take time to ask, God, where do you want me to step out of my comfort zone? Where do you wanna stretch my faith? Where can I trust you? Where can I be part of something that only you can do that I can't do? Where, where should I stop only focusing on the things that I can control and the things that I can do? Where is he calling you to do that? And if you're not part of this church, you're just checking in, or if, if this isn't where you wanna do that, we totally understand, but I wanna challenge you and, and, and invite you. This has changed my life to do something. Ask him that question. Where are you nudging me? To do something with you that only you can do. And then specifically, let me apply this specifically. If you're part of Rock Point, if you see this as your church, maybe you're brand new to the church, maybe you've been here for a long time, maybe you're brand new to faith, and you're not even sure, I mean, you've read a few scriptures, you know, like, you, you, again, you're brand new. Wherever you're at, there is a specific need that we have as a church, as a community, where we're trying to help people discover, develop, and deepen a relationship with Jesus. We have a specific need in our church right now. COVID has been so crazy. It's given us some amazing opportunities and made some things tough for us. One of the amazing things that happened is that, you know, we had never done online services before and COVID happened and you're like, you can't meet in your building anymore. Oh, great, what do we do now? So we're like, try to figure it out. And what's amazing is uh, Chris, our keyboard player, he was like, I got good cameras. 
What, what can we do with that? And we figured out what to do, and, and somehow that happened, and the impact was tremendous. There's a bunch of people sitting here right now who were not a part of Rock Point before the pandemic happened, and they found us online, and families have come as a result of that. God, we don't know how to do this. Well, bring me what you have, okay? And it's impacted people. We could never have imagined that, but we did that. And so there's a bunch of new families who have come. And that's created some of the tough stuff from COVID because here's what's happened. We've got a bunch of new people, a bunch of new families with kids coming going, we want to be a part of what's happening at Rock Point. But there are some people who used to serve in those environments, but because of COVID and many other reasons through the pandemic, they've had to pull back and we get it. We get it. We understand some of those things. But now we're at the place where we don't have enough people in the rooms with the kids. And so we've gotten so close. In July, July churches shouldn't grow. People are traveling, doesn't happen. This past July, every Sunday we're growing. Maybe you felt that you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? It's created this wonderful problem. There's too many kids who wanna be in those amazing environments. And let me just say this, I am more confident and more excited about what's happening with our kids' environments and students than I have ever been. What's happening in their lives, the teams that do it together, the camaraderie, the fun that they have, the team, the momentum, it's so fun to watch. And my own kids are being uh, affected and impacted by it. I'm so excited. But we're at the place where we've, we're close to having to shut some doors and say, I'm sorry, you brought your kids to church. We can't take them in because we've got ratios of adults to, to leaders to kids, and we need to have those ratios there. And so we're at the place where we need some more people who are part of Rock Point to help us continue to create these environments. The greatest need we have right now is with kids, preschool and elementary. Uh, we've got some other spots in production and guest services and students. The greatest need, though, is kids. And I want to ask you, I don't want to presume that God wants you to do that. And if you, what I do want to ask you is, would you consider praying and asking God, is that where you want to bring me to bring my two fish and my five loaves? Is that where you want me to step out? I don't know how to deal with kids. I don't know how to answer the questions. I don't know what I'm doing. Would you bring me what you have? And I don't know if that's what God wants, but I want to ask you, would you consider, would you pray that prayer that Peter prayed and say, God, if this is you, if you want me to do this, ask me to come. And you will join an incredible group of people whose faith is alive, and they are a part of God doing something amazing in kids and students and adults' lives. I'm telling you, I believe your life will never be the same again if you dive in and do something with that. And maybe you're worried, you know, how do I go to church then? Well, that's why we have two services. We've got a lot of volunteers that serve at one and, and, and attend the other. Well, what about my kids? What is, we've got childcare for kids who are volunteers who are gonna be there. If there's a practical problem that you see, we've probably thought of it and we can help figure it out. And we've got ways and different ways that you can get involved. So I just wanna ask today, is God nudging you? And again, I don't want it to be just a nudging you. If I was in the boat and I was like, hey, Peter, you should walk in the water. Poof. He wouldn't have walked. <laughs> And I would have been punched. <laughs> but I want to ask you, would you ask your heavenly father, would you ask Jesus, is this where you want me to step out of the boat to bring my two fish and my five loaves? Is this where you want me to be a part of something bigger than myself? So what we're going to do is we're going to put a number on the screen that you can text the word volunteer 
two. Um, let's put it up now. Text the word volunteer to 94090, and if this is something that you wanna do, and, and when you text that, it's not like we swoop in and grab you and own you for the rest of your life. That doesn't happen. You're not signing anything in blood. This is to ask for some more information. We'll send you a link, and then you can fill out your information, and someone will get in touch with you and talk through this. Again, this is not you signing up for your life. This is you wanting more information. We also have a couple of uh, tables outside with some staff members there that you can ask any question you want about how to do this and where you can get involved, and I only have so much time, well, bring me what you do have so that I can, so that you can be involved in something that God is doing in the lives of other people. So um, we're going to leave that up on the screen after this, um, but I would ask you, would you take the step, text it, even if you're not sure yet, and you're going to go pray about it, text that thing, get the link, you can go to our website, it's, it's, you click on the serve part, it's rockpointcc.org serve, and there's people in the lobby, ask the questions, have the information with you, so just in case, it's not Justin shoving you out the boat, but it's Jesus calling you out the boat, that you have the opportunity to say, I'll bring what I do have, because I'm telling you. Not only will the kids' lives, the students' lives, the adults' lives that you serve be different because of it, your life, your faith will be different as well. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. I'm so grateful that Peter listened and followed. I'm so grateful that those first people, those first disciples that you said, go and make disciples, did it because my life is different. I'm so grateful that the people who created the environments I went into first, when I didn't know Jesus, did it in a way that I could recognize Jesus. And I'm so grateful for every volunteer in this church who is doing that. And Father, I pray that you would nudge our hearts if this is what you want us to do. I pray that you will call us to whatever it is you're calling us to. If it's not in this church, that's okay. But would you grow our faith? And then if it is in this church, would you draw us so that we can? connect and be a part of what you're doing in the lives of others and blow our faith up. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.